This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode seven. Today we talked to Jared Klein of Barbecue, a barbecue food truck based out of Frederick, Maryland. We talk a lot about barbecue, the dynamic of working with wineries and breweries in the area, and the zen of doing dishes. This episode runs a little long, but I think there's a lot of great conversation going on here. Please let us know what you think of the show. Once again, enjoy. All right, we're back. The Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Chris. And we're here today with Jared, fire maker and owner of Bubby Q, the only smoking mama would allow. Mama's not always around. No, but... What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate you being here. So uh, we're going to roll right into this. Actually, before we roll into it, I have a question for you. And this comes from your email signature, right? What is Bubby Moo? Bubby Moo was essentially what got our food truck. We were under tents, and we've probably gone through 10 tents up until that time. But we were working with this company that does um, a bunch of wine festivals, beer festivals, things like that. And they hold true to the early people that came out, and one of them was a barbecue guy. And because they only wanted one specific vendor to that festival, it was like, what can we do to get ourselves back out there? So it's okay. Well, I started out in restaurants, things like that. I know my way around the grill. It's part of barbecue anyways. Let's get this food trailer. We can still do barbecue mainly out of it, but let's throw a grill in it and we'll do burgers. So burgers... Let's figure out how we can get Bubby still in there somewhere. And that's how Bubby Moo kind of came to place. And it's, we still do burgers whenever we're out there. Yeah, it's, it's beef. It's, we've done some chicken stuff, but Bubby Moo was the birth of the food truck, really. Okay, cool. I just saw that in your signature and I was like, I gotta ask him about that. Absolutely. We don't do much with it anymore, but. Right, right. All right, we're here. We got some Miller Lights just chilling. I'm about to crack this one before I ask you your first question. <laughs> Cheers to that. That's a sponsorship opportunity, by the way. Yeah, Miller Light, if you're yeah. out there, look us up. Yeah, I didn't get paid for that. I just like it because it blows me up. <laughs> <laughs> I find it blows me up. All right, so tell us what what was your uh, like introduction to food? And I can go for like, you know, at home, your introduction to food. Some people have like a rich cultural background or also like maybe your first job my introduction to food in general was dinner around the table at the house um the barbecue in general was a really big my last name's klein so klein side family my grandfather used to put on pig roasts Mm. and i always wanted to be the one who was up at two o'clock in the morning who was like okay 
pap starting the fire. Everybody else is over here. I want to be there too. Seven o'clock. Dad, wake me up. Let's go. And we would get there by seven in the morning. They're hitting their stride. And I'm like, I, I need to find a spot to go take a nap. I'll be back in a little bit. But, you know, by the time I got back, it's a pig on the spit and a cinder block type thing. So that's what pulled me into barbecue. But anything other than that, we had our own little, you know, family dinners every single night. You know, pinch a penny where you can, make it work. And, and, right. Y'all money, and that's that came from my sister and I, and we it started out from just being instead of saying come on we'd be like moin moin get on in here moin, and then it turned into hey y'all y'all moin, and then it was y'all more and eat, so hashtag y'all more and eat anytime you're out there taking pictures of barbecue put it on there. That's some real barbecue. Uh, did you have did you work in the industry at all before you um my my first cooking job was at uh, amvets post nine in middletown and it was more so out of and i had never cooked before that you know i'm burning egos just sitting around the house but my dad and my grandfather were members at it and you know pull a string here there and let's get this kid a job in the the kitchen all right, well, let's start him and he can cook. It's not that hard of a menu. Let's put him on there. And that's that's where it started. And then from there, it just kind of worked its way into different places, knowing different people. And I uh, got into a place called the Back 40. It was there in Myersville area, right along 40. Got laid off after they got rid of it and then came back again once it turned into the Orioles Nest and worked there for a couple years. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I thought that was the back 42. Yeah. I heard a lot of stories about that place. It was a fun place. <laughs> there was a lot of good times there. I bet. Um, so was that like the last, was that the last gig you had before barbecue? I met my now girlfriend while we were working there. We were bartenders together and I was doing kitchen manager stuff and um, still just kind of figuring out, you know, I got all this free time and energy. What can I do with it? So I'm cooking, doing whatever, working with two different guys back there. And at that point in time, I felt like we were the most efficient kitchen within Frederick County, but nobody knew it because we weren't putting out these amazing plates. But the syncopation in the back of that kitchen was immaculate. So it was like, okay, I got these guys on point. They're working together great. It's kind of running itself back here. I still need to make a little bit of money. Let me go back out to the bar. And then I met Megan. And um, she ended up getting pregnant. And it was like, okay, well, I need a big boy job now. And I had gone to school for um, draft and design. And a buddy of mine was working for a company up in Waynesboro called Johnson Controls. And they were looking for drafters, designers. And he goes, well, you know, you have the degree come up here I'll hook you up let's do it so I went up there and worked for I got to six seven years uh three kids total through that six or seven years but Bubby Q kind of came out of I'm tired of clicking a mouse I need to get cooking doing something else and barbecue was kind of the last thing that we were doing as I left the the Orioles nest when I was there so I got a chance to kind of hone all of my skills so to speak which i thought 
at that point, I was on top of the world to where it was, I have the rub down and it didn't cost me a cent. I know how to cook a whole hog and it didn't cost me a cent. I can cook ribs and it didn't cost me a cent. So it was kind of one of those out of necessity type things to where, you know, got a little one on the way. I need to get out of this industry and find something that's going to pay me right. Take care of the kid, take care of mama, and we'll go from there. And then I just got bored. So, so that was the breaking point. For that you. was the breaking point. And there's so there's a lot of great barbecue out there and a lot of terrible barbecue. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think how how much time do you spend honing your craft? Is that something you're still working on? Do you feel like you've really I don't want to say learned all you can, but, you know, there's definitely evolution. Do you see that in your products? I. I keep a journal of every cooking. What's the temperature? within the smoker the entire time. What's the wood like? Is it dry? Is it wet? Um, what's the outside conditions look like? Whenever we were doing pork shoulders for this past summer, I knew on 95 degree days, I was looking at six to eight hours worth of cook time. Anywhere that was gloomy, anything like that, I'm looking at seven to nine. And if it's raining, pull up a seat because you're going to be here for a while. You know, it, it Every little variable changes so much, so you have to constantly be watching what you're doing. So you're always learning, doing something. And if you're cooking with wood, no fire is ever going to be the same. No smoke is going to be the same. You know, where did your wood come from? How long has it been sitting? Um, you know, you and Andrew and I were talking the other day about wood. You know. People are using applewood, they're using mesquite, they're using pecan, they're using oak, which we use primarily oak. Um, where did that come from? If you're going to go up and grab half a cord of wood from a orchard, what products did they spray on top of that applewood to get their, their apples exactly where it needs to be? Like, Let's be conscious of what we're burning because that's going to put whatever it is inside of that smoke and that air, and it's going to go over top of your meat. So it's really paying attention to the little things and those variables change every single week. And I, I've learned to stay in my lane as far as local barbecue goes, just because we, I have enough time trying to keep up with myself, let alone what do they have on special or what are they doing or whose wedding did they cater or anything like that? Like, I need to be more on point of who who are my purveyors? Where are they getting their stuff from? You know, how how's their farm look? Do they have something like Smithfield, which, yeah, we use just because volume purposes, but is it pushing a whole bunch of cattle or a whole bunch of pigs into a stall that, you know, you can comfortably fit to compared to comfortably they're just pushing 30 in there at one time? And it changes the meat. You know, we, whenever we do a pig roast, there are two girls that I went to high school with. Um, they're in Middletown. And I, I can't off the cuff remember what the name is. Um, we'll have to put it in the notes somewhere. That they have open range uh, Berkshire hogs. And I cooked one of them in it. I've never had another hog like that in my entire life. And we've done a lot of pigs before, and it's like, okay, we found the bar for the local stuff. Let's keep trying to figure out how we can get that incorporated into it. 
but in a mass quantity and where we're at, it, it's tough to do that. I don't think that's a challenge because the, it seems like the spectrum of prices for pork especially is so varied. Like you go by Smithfield pork shoulder, you know, and maybe, and I'm talking like retail prices, you might be paying, you know, a dollar ninety nine two thirty a pound, and then there's like a local heritage Berkshire pig, and you might be talking seven eight nine dollars a pound, and like, how do you rectify that? You know, where's do you, do you have different product for different events? Like, how do you think you could reasonably source all your pork locally um, with something like that? And how could you charge for it, or can't you? I definitely think that. And this is more so just towards barbecue in itself, that people don't really understand the cost price of what good meat is. If you want something that's all hopped up on hormones, all of that kind of good stuff, I can find you something that I can sell to you for $10 a pound. And it's not going to be as good as what it could be if I'm going to charge you $15, $20 a pound. And there are a lot of health conscious people out there who really pay attention to that kind of stuff, but they are very minuscule in the whole spectrum of things around here just because people a lot of times will look at pricing as far as McDonald's or Burger King goes and like I can go get or Arby's is don't get me wrong Arby's if you're listening I will go and destroy a roast beef sandwich any day of the week but when you're pushing brisket and all the meats and all that kind of stuff where where's your meat coming from you know, what are you putting into it to where it's still shelf ready three or four weeks after you get done cooking it and ship it out everywhere, but people are still going to flock to you because it's a cheap sandwich. And I think that's, you know, everyone's using quick serve and fast food prices at their base when I'm sure Andrew could talk for days about the fact that mm-hmm. his pizza, you know, you can buy a frozen pizza at Wegmans for two ninety nine a piece. And when you're getting up in the $12 range for pizza, um, you know, that's very different. And it's hard to kind of explain that, you know, it's, I, we talked before, I love Mexican food. And when I make tacos for a party, you know, I'm buying, uh, my masa from Macienda, uh, you know, I'll go get Berkshire pork from right. common market using Guatemala farms, which is my favorite, you know, that's a $9 pound pork, um, making salsas from scratch. So it's not going to be a $2 Taco Bell taco, but people have trouble paying what it costs for those products. And I see that especially also with both barbecue and pizza. We, we put a thing out the other day on our Facebook story, basically the rundown of pricing. And if we're buying brisket at $3 a pound and we're selling it for $17, we are still losing money by the end of it. So a lot of time goes into barbecue, just like with pizza too. A lot of time goes into making sure my dough is right. And if your dough's not right, people are going to know. And they're not going to get that. I had literally, so I put a blend of flowers in my dough, and I go to a vineyard a lot, right? And the owners of the vineyard look at my pizza for at least once a week when I'm out there. I'm out there every week. And one week I ran out of one of my types of flour, right? So maybe like 10% was in there rather than like a whole 50%. And the owner's wife came up and was like, your dough is different today. What happened? I was like, Absolutely. oh, you noticed. Right. And people that, that's why consistency is so huge in what we do. And it, it goes, I've used probably 
seven or eight different types of wood, just trying to find the right taste of smoke into it. And if I change that wood from somebody, say we cook a pork shoulder in December and we're using oak. January, I think, okay, well, let's use oak and maple. Whoever's coming in January is going to get a different product. Yeah. So when the, the products are different, people are scratching their head wanting to know why. And it's it can go both ways. That pizza could have been even better based off of that percentage that you used. Or it could have been worse. Or it could have been the same, just kind of different linear-wise as it's just different. You know, and it's whenever we do catering for somebody's wedding, we use the 10-100 rule. 100% of what we do is 10% of that bride and groom's day. And if the food is on point, people are going to love it. They're going to gush about it. They're going to let you know. They're going to take your business cards. You really need to make sure that that 10% comes back to that 100% that you're doing when those people come back to you. And there are times when things are out of your hands. And you can get it as close as possible, but it's just you know making sure that you're bringing that same product in day and out and doing the best that you can with what you can but you're still going to have those space that are going to be like, that's different. Why is it different? Yeah. And different isn't bad by any means, but it's still different. Yeah. She seemed like she was okay with it. Like it didn't taste bad. She just could tell like the texture, the mm-hmm. chew of it was different because what I did have was more bread flour. And when you cook pizza with just bread flour, it's a lot more chewier. Like as soon as it cools down, you're, you're chewing. Right. <laughs> it's tough. On, it can be right. tough on your teeth, but... Yeah, I think we're going to wrap up this intro. This is this might be the longest intro we've ever done, but I'm really happy with it because it so naturally answered all the questions that I had without even me having to ask them. Um, but lastly, I just want to ask you, like, what are you currently cooking? You could answer for what you're cooking at. I know you cook <laughs> barbecue, obviously. Like, what are you cooking at home that you're excited about? Or, you know, business-wise, what you got cooking? What are you doing in 2020 that's got you excited? Physically cooking right now, I dove into the world of baking. I've been trying to make oh, yeah, bread, which I'm terrible at. Like I said earlier, I'm I'm burning egos. Like I, it's been terrible, but it's getting better, and that's just one of those repetitious type things. Yeah. Um, as far as the business goes, we're gonna start looking into getting our sauces and rubs labeled, bottled correctly, and put on shelves somewhere. Um, we also just bought our new thousand gallon smoker called hercules just because it's so ridiculously huge um but that's going to open up a lot of menu for us you know we can fit all the brisket and all the pork shoulders that we need to which is one of our typical liberty road menu that we had this past summer but it also gives us the opportunity to do fresh ribs every day to do fresh turkey breast every day to do sausage because waste not whatnot um and then, you know, we can also try and start doing other things within that smoker just based off of where where we're going to be or what we're going to do and things like that. Um, what else are we doing right now? A lot of baking. That's what it is. We need desserts pretty baking bad. And cleaning Hercules. And cleaning Hercules. If anybody wants to come with a shovel, I'm going to start cleaning that beast up next week. So a little, little bit of brass tacks, but... You know, there may be a little bit of barbecue in it for you. Yeah, so when you hear this episode, give him a call. Because you'll be working that too. Hit them DMs up. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We're back. 
ready to get into this deep end, the long part of our of our podcast. We just sat here and had about a twenty minute conversation <laughs> that probably should have been recorded the whole time, but it's all good because we got other things to talk about anyway. Absolutely. So uh, we're gonna get right into it. Um, you, Jared, being I guess I would call you an early. What, what year did you start barbecue? Barbecue. I we have established 2010 for barbecue. Mm-hmm. And 2010 was when I officially left the Orioles Nest where we were. When did you get the trailer? Trailer was what was it, 2019, probably 2016. Okay, cool. So we spent a lot of time festivals, things like that, like we were talking about earlier under tents, and just how can we get the money to do this? Yeah, and so that's, that's why we got that. So I would say you're, you're sort of uh, an early adopter in the Frederick food truck scene. There wasn't yeah. too many around before that, right? There were, and this is more so doing research within the market. Um, you had a lot of people who were, we, we came from the festival background. Um, there were some trailers within that but they were kind of spread out between Virginia, West Virginia, things like that, just because there's not a lot of that around. Um, us ourselves, we were probably the, I want to say third or fourth barbecue truck around here. Um, Blues has been out by Snake Man's forever. Which, they were like the first food truck. Yeah, Blues, Blues, Blues Food Truck was the first one out there. Um, just kind of like Barley and Hops and Brewers Alley were the first brewers out there. And not a lot of people really look at that as if they're an old mother or attaboy. Um, but I think a lot of that has to go with because they had food and they were a restaurant. And people see restaurant first just because food is what people are after. Yeah. Um, and different is different. Because why would I want to go to a restaurant to try different beers when I can go to a restaurant and try different food? Um, I know Boxcar was out there. Shout out to Brett. Um, oh, Brett, what's up? He's a good dude. He I stopped by. This morning. Right, we, we were at Smoketown. We did a 4th of July pig roast, and he came out, and we just sat there talking forever and ever and ever. And, you know, I... When I first started out in the food truck scene, it was, who are my enemies? And I, <laughs> I really realized early on, and it, a lot of that has to go with Brett. Um, you know, to me, everybody was an asshole until I met him. And yeah. that was the worst part of it, just because you're my competition and I need to smash you. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. I feel like maybe in some bigger cities. And that's kind of what I want to get into about, like... Um, you know, because not all of our listeners are, are really local. At least I don't think so. Um, Go worldwide. Yeah, that's the point. But, you know, I kind of wanted to compare our scene to other scenes, or at least what we know about other scenes, um, but some of the challenges and, like, benefits of being in our scene. And um, I think that in big cities, sometimes you have, like, there's a ton of food trucks in D.C., and there's a good number in Baltimore. And it, and then the thing about those cities that we don't really have in Frederick is they'll be parked up in the same place. So that's like direct competition right there. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas here, the closest thing I think we have to that is two things. 
the Food Truck Fridays, which is like a ton of competition for no reason because there's not that many people coming out. They might have seven trucks one day or three trucks another day, but there's still like two to 300 people max between all of that, you right. know? And then you have the breweries, like we have a hotspot in Frederick where there's like four breweries within a mile of each other. And um, usually each of them have a food truck. You guys know this, I'm just saying it for the record. But uh, I think that's probably the closest we get to like some real competition where there's actually volume and numbers, you know? Um, I, I really feel like people within the Frederick County area, which is where we're concentrated to, um, they don't understand the food truck type culture. There's a lot of Hollywood type stuff that show a food truck as a roach coach. And if they understood what kind of scrutiny we were under with our local health department, we're, we're held to the same standard as any restaurant at any place. You can have a Michelin star restaurant that has the same standards as what we do. The only difference between that is ingredients and the people who are cooking. And the when I first had my trailer designed, I talked to a guy who was down in Baltimore smoking swine. Um, he is amazing, and he needs to be on the show. <laughs> Drew, if you're out there, bro, come on down. Got some good folks out here. Um, but yeah, I, I saw him on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and, you know, power of social media. He was one DM away, and I was like, hey, man, where'd you get your trailer? And that quick, he gave me every piece of information that he had, and I was well on my way to this is what we need to design. And then we found the Frederick County Health Department, and the health department said, well, you can't do X, Y, and Z. So, okay, well, I can't do X, Y, and Z, but let me do LMNOP. And the guy who's designing our trailer is going to email you and you guys can go back and forth. If our trailer isn't acceptable when it comes time to get licensed, that's between you two. And this is the equipment that we need. There's some compromise here or there, but at the same point, like my end point is barbecue. And we need to get the best barbecue out that we possibly can. So we need X, Y, and Z to happen within LMNOP and find that nice middle ground. And when I talked to Drew, Drew was like, man, if you get approved in Baltimore County or whatever it is, you're set to go within the entire state of Maryland because they're the toughest out there. And he's done some stuff out at Flying Dog and he knows and understands the things within Frederick County. So being approved where he was and still having to come down this way to do his thing, I found a lot of trust within what he had to say to get us to where we needed to be to know that we were going to be okay. But as far as the local scene goes and the difference between where we're at, I mean, you you can look up stuff on like Roy Choi and Koji trucks and all that kind of stuff. Like he was the first celebritized type food truck guy and you know, you can watch him on Netflix now with the show. Was it the chef show? Yeah. And he's one of my dream guests. Like I would really love to have him on the show. I don't know how realistic that is. But going back to Drew, I mean, yeah, and, and this is, and this is what I love about our community. Like I've known Drew for, I don't know, probably close to 10 years now. 
and he's been an active member of our community. But we talk a lot about HACCP plans, pop-ups. He's one of those guys mm-hmm. who he's been doing it so long. He has so much great info right. and is willing to share it all, you know, and I'll just post a question, question on our Facebook group about something. And he's always quick to respond and just say, like, this is what I've done. If you need to look at a HACCP plan, if you need help with this, let me know. And just right. having this really... Um, we're a large community, but a very small, tight-knit community of people who want to help each other grow. What I've noticed about, um, <clears throat> I totally agree, and I've had a great experience. I'm, I feel like I'm not an early adopter with Food Truck because I just got mine this year, but I've been in the scene. I got my trailer in 2016, so we were doing the festival circuit and stuff, too, right? and, like, special events. Well, I, I still feel like you were the first pizza guy first pizza out on the scene. Truck. Absolutely. Well, Actually, yeah, okay. The first, if you don't count the there, actual well, food there's, truck. There's a difference between out. having a food truck. Like ours isn't an actual food truck. It's a pull-behind trailer. But so, you can operate the same way as a food truck. Absolutely. As long as you have 8,000 different things to do. That's yeah. The, the benefit to what you have is that if your truck breaks down, you can just get another truck or run a truck. Right. And pull it. See if the food truck breaks down, then you're out of commission. Right. And that's kind of... A challenge in itself because I've actually had to deal with that. I got uh, I got a warning from a brewery out here <laughs> recently because I had to cancel two dates, um, and they put strikes against me. They that's, got a three strike rule. See, that's the other thing. You and I have kind of touched on this before. Like this, this is a two-way street when food trucks go out to breweries or wineries, and I, it's not finger pointing to anybody who is having a food truck somewhere. Listen, like. If I have some kind of obstacle in my way, I'm going to push to get everything taken care of to get to where you are. But there's going to be times when a battery doesn't work or our generator doesn't work or just something goes wrong and I can't make it to where you're at. And I understand that you as an owner of a brewery or a winery or a business have helped us advertise to get to that point. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. That's the other part of it. Some people are very on the spot. Some people aren't. And that's when you have to pull it into yourself and just be like, listen, we're going to be here at X, Y, and Z time. All of our regulars share like this, do whatever you can to help us promote this. You know, we, we all have our bigger goals at the end of it. And if you want to help us get there, awesome. You know, that's why we try and do what we do to get everybody else on that point to where, okay, you came out, you enjoyed your meal with us. Help us out. Let us have a lot more meals. You know, everybody's yeah. going to break bread at some point. So why not come to our table where we're going to welcome you? We're going to have you here. And we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that your time here with us is memorable. Because if it's not, you're not going to come back. Yeah. I think that really what I love most about uh, the owners and the sellers is that, well, first of all, and this is important and a good thing, is that their main priority is what is there kind of to like your customers. Like, you know what I mean? They want to make that happen. When they're like, where's the food? That comes down on us. You know what I mean? The problem lies in the fact that they're not very empathetic to what we have to deal with because they don't experience the same thing. They open their doors and like if they have a batch of shitty beer, they could just they dump it. They dump it and they might not have that beer on tap. But like, what if 
what if your whole tap system broke down? You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? And then who's right. going to be at your brewery you have to no buy beer. our food? Good luck. You know what I mean? Right. That's rarely ever going to happen, but it's kind of a similar situation that they're not they're not empathetic to our situation because they don't even probably think about that type of stuff happening. Right. And I, one thing that I've realized lately, and this was just from one bartender's conversation to me, was we started setting up at a local brewery and some people which to anybody that doesn't know we had a summer setup spot to where we were open wednesday through saturday 11 until 7 are sold out selling our barbecue constantly every single week so it was a permanent spot and we grew a really good crowd of we we call them q folk um so we have customers that came out every single week getting the same stuff over and over and over so when we started, and well, let me preface that. When we closed down for the, the season because winter was coming, we decided we wanted to try and get out to another business. And we found that business, and that's where that bartender and I's conversation came in of we have people who are coming out just for food. And that's one of those things that a lot of these places don't really understand as – we have just as many followers on our social media and Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, Twitter, that are going to bring people to your establishment. So it's scratching your back at the same time as it's scratching our back. And if we have the opportunity to bring our people to your business to get your beer or your wine or your business, it's just as important as if the people who are sitting at your bar your place or anything like that are coming to try our food. I will say that. I'm, I'm going to be the one to say that I think it's, we're doing more for them than they are doing for us. Because, Absolutely. because first of all, if people have food to eat, they're going to stay longer. They're getting, they're getting more beer. Like, no matter what, even if it's just one person, they're getting one extra beer sale because we're there. Right. You know, people are going to stay longer because there's food. Second of all, it's just like, Having us there in the first place is adding value to your whole experience as whatever type of venue you are. You're, we're adding to the experience. And that's the thing about us with festivals is like the food, especially these good food trucks and stuff, we add a big experience to the festival to the people who are paying the organizers. You know what I mean? But then the organizers turn around and charge us an arm and a leg to be there. Where we they're, might we might as well be charging them to go. They're, you know? they're selling real estate at that point. Yeah. And that's the worst part of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I 100%, before I go to a brewery or winery, um, I go on their Facebook page or social media and try and see who's there. And I've gone to a lot of um, breweries that or wineries that I probably wouldn't have gone to if that food truck wasn't there. So they're a huge draw. I mean, there's people who... Um, have dedicated followings. And I think there's a great synergy, um, but, you know, it kind of has to work on both ends and hopefully you find partnerships where that works out. But to Andrew's point, yeah, you know, when you have festivals and things like that, they, they need you. And I don't understand why food trucks and food vendors keep getting charged, you know, hundreds of dollars to be at a festival when really they actually need you there. And you guys are as much a draw as the alcohol there. We we started out heavy in festivals, and it's not so much, which, you know, I've listened to your all's podcast before. The last one you guys were talking about doing 800 to 1,000 covers, things like that for free. And that's not the type of festival that we started out with. We started out with smaller, small town, you know, our first festival was Smithsburg Pride Days. 
and we got our asses handed to us just because we didn't know what to expect. And you have those small town community type people who are coming out who want to buy those small tchotchke type things and they're already out and they're out with family and they want to buy some kind of meal. And if you're new, they're interested because we've never had that thing before that they have. So they'll walk around and you'll, you'll see a lot of American Legion type places who are out there doing hamburgers and hot dogs, but it's just, you know, they're, they're kind of dry, they're soggy, they're whatever it is. But the second that you introduce, and this is more so curtailed to us, smoke into the air, people want to know where that fire is coming from. Where is that meat coming from? What's that smell within the air to where we can go find what that is and try it? And it's worked out really well with us just because doing that small town type circuit, we pay, we've paid anywhere between $40 and $350 for a spot to a festival. I will say the $350 spots are so much more worse than what a $40 spot is just because those $40 spots you're paying for that 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 spot. The $350 spot is we've had interest from other food trucks who want to get into this because they've seen that there's a thousand to 1200 people who are coming to this festival. But when you have 12 food trucks and you want to try and figure out how much money you're going to make from that. Okay, well, we're going to make a decent amount, but how much food do we need to bring? We have 10 to 12 trucks, 10, you know, 1,200 people. Well, right. But at the same time, you also have those promoters and those people who are coming through saying, well, you sold out an hour and a half. Why'd you sell out so fast? Well, why'd you tell me there was going to be 2,000 yeah. people and there's 500 here? And a lot of that has to <laughs> get the variable of what's the weather look like that day. You know, I can go and sign up for a festival and have an entire smoker full for two days, and we have pounds and pounds and pounds of meat. The difference in the days that I'm going to get of we have perfect weather compared to it's raining, that's the difference between $3,000 profit and losing my ass $1,500 later because it's raining and nobody wants to come out and try it. So... The question mark that goes within that is, is it going to be a nice day? And it's a huge, huge impact. It's it's crazy. And trying to be your own weatherman is almost impossible because you're a month out, two months out. Some of these places will have 20 to 30 food vendors wanting to get into this festival just because it worked out two years in a row when it's perfect weather, perfect conditions. The first festival that we did with our food trailer, we got flat tire on the way and we're an hour late. The guy who was trafficking all of these food trailers didn't leave enough room for us to get in. So we got stuck dead middle of a festival that was one giant oval. I haven't lost that much money the entire time that I've been doing food trailer stuff. And it's all because of location within where you're at. And, you know... If you have a friend of a friend of a friend who is promoting one of these festivals, you're going to get those spots. So a lot of it also comes into who do you know? Where are you coming from? How do they know you? And that's the bad side of it. So, you know, if 
if it's a barbecue festival and you have 10 to 12 people serving barbecue, how much barbecue is legitimately out there? And people are just looking for lines. What truck has the biggest line in front of it and why? What food are they selling? I guarantee you nine out of those 10 to 12 food trucks are going to have pulled pork. Why is my pulled pork better than yours? How did I cook it? All that kind of good stuff. People don't care about how we cook it. They want to know why you have a line out in front of you. Exactly. And, that, you know, who blames them? Yeah. I've, I've definitely lost a bunch of money doing customs right now. So 2018 was our first, like, that was my first full-time season uh, with my pizza trailer. And I signed up for a bunch of festivals, a bunch of wine festivals. Right. And it rained all summer. And we just got slammed. I lost a bunch of money. Well, that's it's that's hard to recover how, this year, actually. That's how a top-notch business dies. Yeah. When it's starting out very low and very slow and rain and people coming out to do this kind of stuff. And yeah. I wish a lot more people would check social media first, like you were saying, Chris. Anytime you're going to a brewery, see what kind of food truck they have going there. If you're going to a winery, what kind of options do they have? Because those people are doing the exact same thing as the restaurant you just sat down in to have 45 minutes wait time before even getting in. And it may be better, if not one of the best meals of your life. And it all goes to, to not because you didn't really check to see what was there before. I wish more venues would update their social media. Like I hate when you go on their Facebook page and they haven't posted anything in five days. You know, I, I know this last summer there was a place my wife and I wanted to go and we were inviting friends and their question to us was, is there a food truck there? And I went on their Facebook and I hadn't been updated in like three days. And I said, well, they usually have food trucks there on Thursdays, but you don't know. And that's kind of obnoxious. I mean, like you've got social media, just do a quick blast and say like, you know, pizza llama or someone's going to be here. It takes two minutes to put something together. And why you wouldn't do that to let your other customers know that's drawing more people into where you're at as a business. And it, like I said before, it, it works both ways to where you're both drawing people in. They, they have the beer, so to speak, and you have the food. They don't have food. You don't have beer. So let's make this thing work the best way that we possibly can and get as much notice out as possible. And the rotation of trucks is just as important as anything else. Yeah, agreed. So let's jump into some nitty-gritty on barbecue. Are there any trends that you're watching or best practices or innovation? I mean, I know it's a pretty tried-and-true classical thing, but, um, you know, what's something that's that's got you going right now? Right now, we're barbecue trends. <laughs> um <laughs> It depends on who you're really paying attention to, where you're looking. Um, if you have a barbecue establishment, and we, we're really heavy in watching the Carolinas, the Texas type people and what they're doing. Um, the newer barbecue places are free to do what they want. If they want to do, like Leroy and Lewis down in Texas does this kale Caesar salad. If you put that kale Caesar salad into a place like Snow's Barbecue that is old school and people come for brisket and pork, they're going to look at it and be like, what is this nonsense? 
So I have a kale Caesar salad on my personal chef menu. I don't, even know, I, don't, I don't even know if I told you. I literally bought your brisket one day. So that's one of those things. Right. I like, that was one I, of the I, first times you were on at the trailer. Yeah, because, you know, I'm not going to be smoking my own brisket just to do salad for 12 people. So it's something I do. I do a, a hybrid. I mix barbecue sauce and Caesar dressing for the dressing. And it's a kale, cornbread croutons, smoked brisket, and Asiago cheese. And uh, I'm, I believe me, I've tried every barbecue joint in Frederick <laughs> to find the brisket that works best. Yours, like no lie, is my favorite brisket, especially for that. So I'll usually come and buy a pound of brisket just for that recipe and then maybe eat half a pound of brisket for myself <laughs> and save the other half. So I, I totally feel you on the, the kale Caesar salad. Right. And it, it's not it's not a bad thing to have something like that on your menu by any means. Like I... You you had sent us a listing through the Chefs Without Restaurant thing earlier this summer for a wedding, and it was half, I shouldn't say half, it was probably 15 to 20 vegan guests, and it ended up not working out to where you and I were able to work together, but still once it was all said and done, everything was on point where it needed to be, but when we originally talked to the couple who was trying to get this thing put together, it was what kind of vegan food can you do for me? What did you do? We didn't. And that's, that's kind of what I was hoping for. You know, you don't want some guy who installs refrigerators changing your tires. And that's the same way. Why would you want a guy who does meat and all that kind of stuff doing vegan food for you. And I do a lot of vegan food. So that's how I actually, they had wanted me to do the wedding and I wasn't capable of doing it. So I bounced it to you. And then when you found out they wanted vegan, they bounced it back to me. And I think what ultimately, I don't know what they were looking for, what I do, even though I do a lot of awesome vegan food, I don't think it matched up. And then it, you know, I guess they went with someone else and hired another vegan mm-hmm. chef and I was caught out of it, but right. you know, it's fine. The, so. ser- the service end of it was what, the change of it was you know you you could tear your stuff to a sit-down dinner with you know anywhere between two and 20 people to where with this it was a buffet style thing and that's just you know that's not your thing so let's find somebody who can and let's make it work with what we have so going back to the kale salad you know why not do a kale salad with brisket on top of it? It's new, it's different. And it's within the realm of what you have going on. Would I put that kale salad on my menu? Probably not, just because I'm looking at the type of customer that's coming up to my window. Do these people want a kale salad? Right. <laughs> they want meat. What's kale? They want meat. Right, they want meat. They want, meat. They want yeah. the protein. And at the same time, it's well, what sides do you have? Yeah. Well, when you have barbecue stuff what are you going to eat you're going to eat baked beans you're going to eat you know what do you have in your back backyard type barbecue mm-hmm. well there's always ten thousand pounds of mac and cheese okay well we got that on our menu we have coleslaw we have baked beans we have we just started doing potato salad and all that kind of stuff where we're at on thursdays and that's changing it up to what the customer wants however i will say the customer at our summer setup is a lot different than what our brewery customer is. You know, what do they want? How can we kind of keep what we hold true to our menu with the meat, the potatoes, all that kind of stuff, but still offer 
something within the realm of barbecue that is not some kind of gimmicky nonsense. Something that's going to interest them, but isn't just for show. Right. But at the same time, actually, so I was at the Pizza Expo this past um, <clears throat> fall uh, at the Jersey one. Pizza and pasta, and um, we kind of had this conversation. There was a guy from actually from Baltimore that does pizza, and then there was a guy from New York. And the guy from New York was, and no, well, it wasn't one of these like traditional guys from New York who just does their thing, like kind of how barbecue is, where it's like we got brisket, we right. got we got pizza. It's just pizza, and pizza don't got fucking pineapple on it, right. whatever. So no, this guy, this guy's doing like double stacked like pepperoni and then a pineapple pizza on, like just crazy or a right. buffalo chicken pizza on the bottom stacked on top as like a pepperoni pizza, and it's like Instagram shit, you know what I mean? But the thing is, that gets people in the door, that gets people interested. He has a sign up that's like it's an hour wait for one of these pizzas, right. but. Most people are coming and they're still ordering a pepperoni pizza, but they That's, got them in the door. Right. You know what, what I mean? So what you can do some crazy. Yeah. So like, I feel like, and that kind of made that switched my thinking about it too. Um, I still don't utilize that kind of those tactics, but it switched my thinking on it where it's like you can do some crazy stuff just for fun and maybe offer that and charge an arm and a leg if you want to, but really it's just to get it. It's just to get them to try your right. your brisket or your pizza. You know. Yep. Not necessarily to actually get that. Right. And it, what we learned with where we were at in the food trailer was people would come up and ask about ribs. Mm-hmm. You guys have ribs? We have ribs on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Come back on Saturday and see us. But while you're here, do you want to try some pork? Do you want to try some brisket? Is there anything that we can give you even just a sample of? Which with barbecue, it's a little bit easier. It's a little slice off of brisket. It's a little hunk of pork that, you know, you pull off to wear with pizza. You're not going to be like, here's a whole slice of whatever you want to try, which you can do some of that here or there, but it's, there's still a difference there, but it's, they're here, they're now, let me confirm how great our stuff is to you. So you come back on Saturday. So it's rib Saturday and there's, there's a place, I want to say it's out in California somewhere that did that taco pizza to where they have, that's in Jersey. Is it in Jersey? Yeah, it's, um. Tony Bologna's, I think? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can't so, my shit with the pizza. You know, welcome <laughs> to Taco <laughs> Tuesday on a pizza. You know what I mean? So you're you're hitting two balls at one time. One could be a home run, but at the same time, you're going to get that little dribbler that gets between the third base and shortstop. And those are going to be your people that are coming back later on. I can hit a home run, but you're not hitting a home run every single time you're out there. It's that little dink and dunk type stuff to where it's like our pepperoni pizza's on point. And this is what we're going to make our living off of. We have an amazing cheese pizza. Well, what kind of cheeses do you use? It's mozzarella and a little bit of provolone. Okay, well, you have another cheese pizza kind of sitting over here. What's that? Well, we use Manchego. We also use a little bit of Gouda. We also do this. We do X, Y, and Z to it. Well, what's the difference between the two? You know, one's a house party and the other one's a rager. What are you in the mood for? <laughs> like, we can curtail these little things based off of what kind of party do you want to have while you're here? Because we're open party to it. You know, who's ready to party? Let's do this. Yeah. Do you still do uh, the pit beef with the tiger sauce? We do. We, uh, this past Thursday, 
we did our second round of the brewery that we're at of a panini sandwich that we call the pits. And it's sliced pit beef with onions and that tiger sauce. Mm -hmm. And it's a we put some cheddar on top of it, smashing in the panini press. And it's just as good as what it would be if it's fresh sliced with raw onion and tiger sauce from a food trailer. Yeah. And it's that was one of the first things that you and I kind of yeah. came together with when we did that collab up at Red Heifer. Yep. Bobby Lama. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Bobby Lama. That was good, too. Yeah, that was, was my first good. experience with your, your product, too. Like, I'm not, um, I mean, I like barbecue. I'm not huge on, uh, I guess I could say meat and wine. I eat a lot of chicken, but I'm not big on like beef and stuff. Right. But I'll eat it. And um, that was my first experience with your food. And I was like, okay, this is good. The pit beef is a way different product than than what brisket is. And I, I worked at a barbecue spot too. Right. Pretty funny because I'm saying I don't eat a lot of food. <laughs> I, I was the smoker too. So, but I understand it. So like, I remember thinking like, I want to try the brisket. And I didn't even get to try the brisket until I got my food. Yeah, truck you came out. Stop by that day. day. Man. I was like, not that I thought it would like not be good, but I was like blown. It was better than I even expected it would be. It was amazing. We we realized that brisket can be the ugly stepsister or that black swan. Yeah. Or the white oh, swan yeah. or whatever you call it. And it's if it's good, it's really good. If it's bad, it's like uh, still brisket. Yeah, yeah, it's still brisket. That's that's my favorite thing. I feel like it's the hardest thing. You know, I. Like, I think I can do pretty decent with pork shoulder. Like, go to the store, get one. I can kind of fake it on my grill and my oven, right. put some sauce on it, comes out well. But, like, there's no way to BS a brisket. Like, I haven't found a way to go myself, get a brisket, and be able to half-ass it on my grill or in the oven. Right. And for me, that's the test. Like, when you go to a place, it doesn't even have to have the smoke ring for me. But sometimes it's just – for me, it's like the dry – like, you get – dry brisket i think is the worst like when you cut into it and it's just like dry meat that doesn't have any moisture fat flavor um so i judge a whole barbecue place on how on how their brisket is (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's the finger if that slice of brisket can fold over your finger and not fall apart then you know that it's on point and if i were to sit here and say that every brisket that we've cooked has been perfect in that trailer i'd be lying and that goes back to the whole constantly learning type thing and you with a with a big hunk of pork a big hunk of pork is very much an open canvas you can inject it you can do anything that you want to it and it's still going to taste like pork at the end of the day just because of the size of the piece of meat is with brisket you're cooking two different muscles at the same temperature trying to get it to the same tenderness and it not dry out and if you're doing more than one you might have different sizes and that can be oh, absolutely that's a different spot within the smoker. That's a different spot when you wrap it. Hours and hours. And <laughs> don't get me wrong, I enjoy it when people come up to the trailer and they tell me about a brisket cook that they had. And we've had people who have told us, our, you know, I think our brisket's a little bit better than yours. Well, I hope so. Because when I'm sitting there watching a fire on two different smokers, Making sure that everything is on point, watching 5, 10, 15 briskets at one time compared to the Traeger that uses pellets that you plugged in to do it. And, you know, (laughs) this is going to sound really bad, but 
you watch a couple YouTube videos, you hit it with salt and pepper because that's what Franklin does. You throw it on your smoker using hickory chunks or hickory pellets, and it's going to come out, and you have a wireless router or whatever it is sending you temperatures to your phone. It's not barbecue, but it may be better than mine because you did it. You, you totally cheated. And you're proud of your product. Good. But you it's be still using good. tech to your, the best of your advantage. There's no such thing as tech in barbecue. Really? Yep. Even if it gives that, you a better the, product. The only tech that comes, as far as I'm concerned, the only tech that you need to watch for coming out of your barbecue is what kind of smoke you're running outside of that particular day. If you're clean, running fire, is going to town, and it's clear smoke, or blue, thin blue smoke is what they call it, then you're on point. If you have a really dirty, nasty smoke, you're going to get a very bitter end product just because of how your fire is burning. If it's not burning clean, you're going to get not what you want out of it. But at the same time, to somebody who, it'd be like me cooking a pizza and I get that one-off chance of that was the best pizza that I've made. I'm going to overhype it in my own mind because I don't cook pizza a lot, but I just made a bang ass pizza because it's on point. My kids just destroyed this thing. And at the same time, I just bought that pizza crust from the market. I bought the pepperoni from the market. I got that pre-made mozzarella from the market. I could even walk up and go and get a craft bag of pizza mix or whatever you want to call it and throw it on there. I didn't do a single thing to that pizza except for put it on top of stuff, stick it in the oven, and it's the best pizza ever because I had a great experience with it. You eat it fresh out the oven before it goes into a box. That makes so much of a difference. There's a lot of pizzas. Difference. Right. Some pizzas can withstand that. You know, you have your, your chains and your dominoes and stuff, and they're, they're built to withstand the delivery. But like my pizza, I'll deliver it because I actually this past year have reformulated my pizza to be able to to be enjoyed hours later or reheated. You know, I added I did the flour blend. I used to use all bread flour. And like we talked about earlier, as soon as it gets cooled down, you're like chewing. It's hard. It's it gets hard to chew with all bread flour. Now with my flour blend, like you can reheat it. It's good. You can. I can deliver it as long as it's still warm or they can reheat it themselves or whatever. Even if it's cold, you can still, it still has a nice uh, softness to it, but I still get the same qualities out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm still constantly working on it, but I'm, I'm proud of the product that we have right now. Cause it's like, you know, but it's still, even with that, it's, it's best when you get it right at the truck, fresh, fresh out the oven. Watch me slice it for you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. And that's, that's how food is meant to be. Let me give you my absolute personal best as I slice it for you, plate it for you, do whatever I need to for you. And here it is exactly how I wanted to give it to you, spot on from the window of my trailer. So it's okay to take home within reason. Don't drive a half hour 45 minutes with the food that I'm giving you because it's not going to give you the same experience as if you got it, walked over to a picnic table or a table in a brewery or a winery and sat down and ate it. Yeah. I got something that I've been thinking about. Um, we talked about it maybe like 10 minutes ago. It's about the vegans and the vegetarians, right? 
Right. And this is just like, you know, I'm not like pushing you to do anything you don't want to do, but it's just a thought and it's, uh, I'm going to give a suggestion too, but what do you think about like smoking? Obviously you can't put it direct on the rack or else, I mean, you could, but you might have some problems from some of the people out there. Like you're cooking the impossible burger on the same Burger King grill. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't do that, but, right. but an option, there's options to where you could, um, you can take vegetables, fruits, whatever. Like you can smoke a lot of things, man. Right. You could you could appease those vegans by smoking a lot of different things. I really could, but that's not it's not in your wheelhouse. I can understand that. Well, it it could be in my wheelhouse right. just because we don't want to push people away. Right. But it's not what I'm focused on. Right. And I would say for you especially and me knowing our market and where we are, where people are really in still, like, there's not a ton of people. No. When you get them, it's probably just, like, people see barbecue. If vegan sees barbecue, they're probably not even going to stop. But then you have these weddings and stuff where there's, oh, we have 10 vegan friends that we want to appease. And then that might be those considerations where, like, well, I want to get that wedding money. I'll cook. I'll smoke some veggies for your vegan friends. You know what I mean? Like, right. it could, and if you if you are interested in that, I'm gonna give a quick shout out. Check out uh, Black Sauce Kitchen out of Baltimore. You follow them? I'd say yeah. So like, <laughs> they do some really cool stuff. Meat and like, but they also have stuff for vegetarians and vegans where they're smoking like apples and making sandwiches out of that, smoking mushrooms and all types of stuff. Like, it's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Black Sauce Kitchen. You guys do a great job. All right, we're going to wrap up this uh, section of the podcast, and we'll be back with On the Fly, our speed round. All right, we're back, Chefs Without Restaurants podcast, and we're getting into our speed round, On the Fly. You ready, Jared? Yeah, ready. All right. What's your favorite tool in the kitchen? Shovel. Oh, that's a new one. (laughs) Just because my kitchen is the smoker. Yep, I get it. I'm, I'm poking fires at all times, so shovel. I get it. That's very cool. Uh, favorite food to eat? It depends. If we're... Try choose something. Just pick something. Chinese. Okay. If you had the money, who's the first employee you would hire? Or what is what is the first employee you would hire? Jake. What do they do, though? Can I get into that? I guess I got to word that differently. If you had the money, what's the, what's the first like job position you would hire? I kind of have that. So that's why I asked if I can expand on it. Yeah, yeah, expand on it. I was fortunate enough to get, and I don't want to say gift to God or whatever it is, just because it's more so like whoever you follow within this universe, I, Jake was a gift from the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, he came out to me, volunteered to come out and help, and he's been killing it ever since. So if Jake and I are in the trailer together. Jake is doing the back end of things, and I'm sitting at the window. If it's me and somebody else, I'm doing that back end stuff that Jake is. And but nobody can leave the impression that you do on your customers. No. Yeah. I love and it's too. not to say that Jake that's too. both of <laughs> Jake's, Jake's on point, but it's not Jakey Q. You know what I mean? It's Bubby Q. Yeah. And right. Or it's not whoever. Oh, it's not whoever. Right. Jake's not right. there. I can have the most pleasant person sitting in my window, but if I'm sitting out front, you're getting bub out front. Yeah. So it's it's one of those gift and a curse type things to where I have to be every point 
within that trailer and every person within that trailer and every customer review within that trailer because it's Bubby Q. You know, my name is on that trailer, so I have to be that person. You got to be a face. Yeah. So that was on the fly. uh, Quick description of it. And we had to do it. I like that. Uh, Who's your favorite chef? I don't have one. I I come from the line of Instagram to where you have everybody at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. If I want to know something about whole hog, let me go to Instagram. What's you know? You're your Scotch barbecue. Yeah, my I. All right, <laughs> my we got to move on. <laughs> Art or science? Yes. Okay. Uh, what's That's one, a whole other podcast in itself. What's one thing you do differently from everybody else? I'm slow. Low and slow, baby. Slow down. Pay attention. Favorite digital tool? My phone. Okay. What's the weirdest request from a client or guest? Something vegan. (laughs) All right. Recommend a book. Or a podcast. Max Out with Ed Milet or MFCEO podcast with Andy Frisella, even though he's finishing it up tomorrow and he's done with it. You can go back and listen to all the old episodes. There's 300 plus episodes. If you can't build a business off that, then you need to go back and listen again. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite culinary resource? Could be like a, a barbecue forum or blog or something like that for you. Just something you go to for like that, that goes back to social media just because there's a whole plethora of different people that you can look to. So basically Instagram. Instagram, Facebook. That know, is, like I, it's like like it really is becoming on. a culinary resource. It is. And and it's, right. it's because the vast variety of things that you have at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, so what's the current challenge in your business and how are you dealing? Finding a place to set up full time. Mm-hmm. And it being reliable and having people within the spot that you're at willing to put themselves out there for you. Really getting your name out there and having the same vested interest as what you have in your business is what they do with theirs. Are you, uh, is there like, um, do you have any plans to make that happen? Any ideas rolling? I think at this point, it's very much so do it yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want your own business to succeed, then you need to go out and do your own work. Yeah. You know, I can't rely on somebody else to pay my electric bill or pay my trailer bill or fill up the propane tanks on the front of that trailer. If, you know, they and that's no fault to them. They're in the same spot. They need to fill their beer tanks. They need to fill their wine bottles. They need to do... Mm-hmm whatever they need to do to make sure that they're making their own living. So I shouldn't really expect somebody else to come to bat for me if I don't want to go to bat for myself. Live by it. All right, so speaking of all that, that's like all that extra work that we put in as as business owners and stuff. How do you decompress? Whiskey. (laughs) <laughs> like that that sounds ridiculous and a little over the top but when and this is i feel like in everybody at this table's case 
when you put 18 hours into a single meal, and it, it's not whiskey. Like you've mentioned before, you go for hikes, you unplug. You go out, you listen to the wilderness, you listen to what's around you, you take in your your surroundings, and that's what gets you to chill out. To me, it's, okay, I just spent 12 hours cooking. I took six hours to go to a wedding venue, set up, feed however many people, be me for those six hours, plus some, make sure my guys are all on point, and girls, and make sure that these people have the best experience that they can, and then I have to pack all of that up. I have to come home. My decompress starts when I hit the door, and it's like, okay, I just fed 150, 200 people. What do these dishes look like? Let me hit that bottle a little bit. And I'm going to scrub every pot and pan that I have. And I'm going to blast whatever music that I want to right now. Mm-hmm. Just because it's mundane work that I have to do that I can put on autopilot. So if I'm in the mood for some Post Malone, let me blast Post Malone while I'm scrubbing these dishes. And you know, I found that that's a pretty good way to decompress too. But after I'm done with events, I'm always like, I got my schedule and I share it with my partner and she'll be calling me like, where the hell? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I left out because my, and I hate this term so much, but it's the most inclusive way to do it. Baby mama, my girlfriend, mother of my children. See, that's why I say partner. Right, partner. She is very on point with our three girls. And she knows that if I come stumbling in at, you know, two o'clock at night, after an entire event and it's not to say that it was all you know butterflies and roses because at the beginning it was like well, what are you doing why are we not here well this this is work you know i'm not a nine to five type person so my hours are not going to hold to that nine to five yeah. i'm going to have to do dishes until two o'clock in the morning i'm going to have to go to bed at 2 30 3 o'clock try try getting to sleep after going all of those hours, dealing with all of those people, doing all of those things, and not sit and just stare at a TV or listen to music or a podcast for a while and go to bed within that hour that you get home. Well, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and, uh, Andrew helped me with the gig and I had to drive him back to where his truck was parked. And I think we just sat in the parking lot watching like TikTok cooking videos for like a good 45 minutes. Like we weren't eating, we weren't drinking um, and just like, you know, like you just get done and you get back. It's like, well, I'm not ready to go to bed and whatever. But I love like the doing the dishes when I get home because I don't want to deal with them and cut mm-hmm. in it tomorrow. And I think for me, you know, I take all my dishes to my customer's house and they need to be washed. I think they want, they feel like that's a pain and they would rather me use their dishes, but I don't want to stay at their house for two hours doing their dishes. Right. I would rather come home, take off my chef coat, be in a t-shirt, put my ear pods in right. and just listen to whatever I want to listen to. And there's no Zen like that midnight, one in the morning, just doing the dishes, listening to whatever I want to listen to in my kitchen with some dim lights on. Mm-hmm. I love it. Maybe have a beer, you know, sometimes a cup of hot tea. You know, we do all our dishes at our commissary after lunch on every Wednesday. Yeah, it's different for a personal <laughs> chef. It's different for a personal chef. You know, you can do it wherever you want. Um, 
All right, so it's official. We're pretty terrible at speed rounds, but I guess that's why we don't call it a speed round. It's on the fly. Because all this just happened on the fly. Um, so my last question is, what's your motivation, your main motivation, and what impression are you trying to leave with your business on the world, on the community, on, on us? My motivation is, and th this comes from my corporate job that I left in March. The real final dagger was... It was just this March? Yeah, this past March. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's when we hit full-time barbecue. Yeah, that's um, a long side hustle. That's good. Sitting at a corporate spot to where you're just somebody who gets a check issued every two weeks and watching these people who put time and effort and project out into the world to where it, what, there's a a professor that I had in school when we were doing architecture and he said if you build a bridge that falls it's your fault and that's we did industrial refrigeration and we did a lot of you know heavy gas type stuff to where I was at and my risk wasn't really that big where we were at just because I wasn't an engineer. I was a guy that put, you know, designs of piping and vessels and things like that to put together. But you see these people who are putting 40, 50, 60 hours a week in for an exorbitant amount of time and a paycheck that they can't enjoy because they're stuck to their desk. And it turns into 30, 40 years. And at the end of that 30 or 40 years, they have this celebration, so to speak, in a hallway. And they're gifted with a clock that says, thank you for your time. And a cake, and a cake that was really shitty to begin with. Yeah, and a round of applause. Side note, I got none of that. I worked for my last company for 10 years. I was the executive chef. I was one of the top performers in my company. I got nothing. I didn't even get a cake. <laughs> like, my last day came and went, and it was like, I'm surprised they didn't all right, ask you to make goodbye. It and I've been gone for three years now, and, like, none of those bosses or people who I worked for checked in on me. They could care less. And I think you get so fooled. You're there. You think these people are your friends. But, you know, it's like a next door neighbor, your friends because of proximity. It's the same thing. These are your work friends. And it was really eye-opening to see like how much I'd given up in my life for this company for 10 years to walk out of there without even so much as a cake. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a crappy cake or whatever, but just like that whole idea that nobody even really cared when I was gone. Right. You, you are a position to fill at all times. And after watching these people get these so-called congratulatory cakes in the middle of a hallway and driving home, and I only had a 20-minute commute, and I had this ball of anxiety and just irritation in my chest, and I knew that my time was up with that place. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you drive home, and this, this is more curtailed to what I'm like me personally, you drive 20 minutes home and that ball of anger and anxiety and angst doesn't go away. So you get and you go pick up your kids. And in my my own situation, it was three daughters. And that angst and anger and all of that attitude goes towards your kids. And once you see your kids 
start to act like you are, it's kind of an eye opener. So how can I change the stress that I have into my own to where it's going to be beneficial for me and what kind of mark I leave. And I, one of the biggest things that is lacking within barbecue is women who are advertised as the hard workers. I can put up any of my girls that help me out up against any of your best guys that you have in your restaurant, and they're going to run circles around them. My girls work a, hard. I think that's a It is. And it's it's terrible just because everybody should be working towards that same goal. Whether you're man, woman, whatever you identify as. As long as you're coming to work for me and the company and the values that we have, and you're doing it with pride, you're going to be here with me for a really long time. And I really hope that at some point you tell me to go pound sand and you go start something yourself. Because I know at that point, you're taking anything that I've taught you, whether it's good or bad. I could have told you to scrub before one way and you can go do it your own different way and it's better for you. Then fine, go scrub that floor that way. As long as it's shining at the end of the day, absolutely. As long as the health department didn't come in and look at you like, what are you doing here? You're good to go. You know, teaching people to respect something, not necessarily a business or another person or something, you know, whatever it is, it's respecting something, putting, finding your self worth in what you're doing. And not everybody's in the same place as what everybody else is. So I may have somebody that comes to me struggling. Come on, let's go spend a couple hours in my trailer. We're going to have downtime. Let's shoot the shit. What do you got going on? You and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. So let me let me into your world. You know, I don't always need to know about your entire personal life. But if you want to open that up to me, fine. I'll listen to you. Being business owner is not one thing. It's a lot of things that cultivate to one thing. Absolutely. And is. I, I had a full head of hair before I started this thing, but all those hats coming up and down. I said my face did a 180. I got this beard, but I have no hair. And it's even that hair is turning gray. But I'd much rather have that gray hair listening to one of my workers' issues or problems or what they have going on because a happy worker turns into a happy experience. And that happy experience turns into people walking away with that experience of we had a good time while we were there. And I essentially that's why everybody on this planet Earth is here. We just want to have a good time. Like let's let's go, let's hang out, let's eat some good food and do what we want to do and then go from there. And that's and my even, that's my seventeen words into a five word yeah, sentence. But no, you know but that's that's what pushes me to keep doing what we're doing. You know, it's it's food that I put everything that I have into it that turns into just a meal for somebody else. Yeah. And if it's a good meal, I did my job. Yeah. Yeah, no, you put a lot into it, but it's, it's a good thing. I think um, you have a lot of good things to say, and I think people are going to enjoy listening to that. So you're in it. I think you're in it for the right reasons. Right. So, and the last thing I want to, the last thing I want to get out of you is, um, 
It's for you to call for more. Who should we get on the podcast? Christian at Hooch and Banner. He's on the list. list. (laughs) Get that guy on number one. Just because as many people as you can tag or call out or anything like that, and like I say, this goes out to personal interest, so to speak, but he was one of the first people that came out to the trailer unannounced. And it was like, let me go check and see what this guy's all about. And then later on, he followed me on Instagram and he had a post about being up in Canada. And I learned something, something happened up there with family and all that kind of good stuff. And you can kind of tell it was a gloomy time. And he went out to Lake Vermont and I sent him a message. I was like, that's a Chuck Hughes spot, isn't it? Which if we want to go celebrity chef, that is one of my favorite, probably Chuck Hughes. Cause Chuck, there you have it. His favorite show, there it Chuck is. Hughes. Chuck, Chuck Hughes. <laughs> now, Chuck, Chuck and I got along because he had this show on Cooking Channel when I got out of the cooking business in between there and my drafting job. And it was called Chuck's Day Off. And he would just cook stuff for people who ever wanted to come out to his shop. And it was everything from nieces and nephews to people within the industry. So you get to see different cuisines for different people. And I tried to, I, that was the first time I tried risotto. That was the first time I tried doing just all the different kind of stuff that he had going on. So Chuck Hughes, you got me through a little bit of a gloomy spot. Shout Thank out you to Chuck. you. Thank you, Chuck. But, you know, reaching out to Christian, and that was one of those things to where, okay, I have a common point with another chef. And then, you know, he, that's when conversations start. That's when, you know, how are we going to do a pop-up together? How are we going to get people together to do this? And, Chris, you've talked on previous podcasts about being, I think it was in Boston, and finding that great food scene. I mean, like, these guys are working together. So so many, I mean, it seems like a bigger city thing. I don't understand. You would think it would be a smaller city thing where they'd want to collaborate, Um but I see the bigger cities, you know, like D.C. I mean, we were just talking off mic. I was at an event this week in D.C. And all the chefs were there for this. It was on food policy and stuff. And there was maybe eight chefs. But, you know, while they're prepping their tables together, you know, you had two chefs helping out another chef get their plates pulled together. Like that idea. Like there are all these well-known chefs with their own own spots um and then you just kind of see like oh they really seem to like each other like oh one of them's in the weeds let's go help him out and get his dishes together um and i just like i still have never gotten that vibe here in frederick and i'm hoping we can change that a little bit i think finding the right chef at the right place finding the right opportunity will help that but it's going to take a lot of back-end work to get there um like I, I reached out to Christian and I said, how can we make a collaborative dinner work? Let's figure out, you know, Hooch and Bub. How can we do this? And instead of being like, I don't know, it was like, all right, let me talk to the owners. Let's get it. Let's figure out how we're going to make this happen. And just having that opportunity and openness to get that is one big thing. And it's like you said, there are a lot of restaurants that are owned by the same group of people within Frederick. 
And until you can kind of mind your way and you may have to stick your nose in so many different things and prove yourself in different ways before somebody finally recognize what you have going on and then make it happen on that back end. And even still, it could fall flat on its face and it's still going to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth, but still you have that foot in the door. Like coming back to somebody to, and saying this is how I messed up is a whole lot better than let me come in, make this, uh, you know, the best that I can and it fell flat and not apologizing. Well, I don't want to say apologizing, but it just didn't work out and not really owning up to it. There's there's a huge difference there and just, I don't want to say apologizing, but, you know, admitting that you screwed up. And this is how we're going to make it better. And the next time that we do this, we're going to make it better. So opening yourself up, you know, and it's kind of a big brother, little brother type thing. I don't have a restaurant. I have a food truck. I'm not on six days a week. I'm on whatever schedule I want to make it to be. And if I'm in the right spot at the right time and it goes off, awesome. If I'm in a terrible spot and it doesn't go off, then that's part of the trade. But building your name first goes a whole lot farther than just coming into it and being like, we're going to do this. And, you know, I it, it's hoping that restaurants, brick and mortar style, open up to food truck stuff instead of saying, I don't want these people out in front of my restaurant. You know, we, we can all work off of each other, kind of like the brewery thing does and the winery thing does to where it's, we have the booze, but not the food. Okay, well, we have the food, not the booze. We don't have the seating, but, yeah. you know, I can give you some pretty awesome food for your restaurant for this day, and then we're going to go from there. Yeah, I was just talking about that, too, with pizza. Like, <clears throat> we'll go down to Hooch and Banner and, and work with Christian or, or wherever, really, but just because we're talking about him. Um, and, you know, let him do some crazy pizzas or or interpret some of your menu items as pizzas. And, like, that's going to help. It's going to help both of us. And I right. think the challenge is figuring out where, how to split up the collab and how to um, how to work with somebody so that both parties are happy. You know right. what I mean? Because, like, I, I'm not going to, you know, some restaurant owners be like, oh, yeah, we'll just pay you for the night. But, like, how much are you going to pay me? What's it going to What's yeah, going to make it worth it? $10 an hour. You're going to give me even, like, 200 250 Like, that's, I mean, how much work am I putting in for that right. 250 You know what I mean? Right. So. And I, a lot of that, and this is just because there's not a lot of it going on right now, is... You're going to have to find people who are willing to go out on that ledge as far as restaurant owners do it. And yeah. we're starting to see some of these food truck owners going into restaurant spaces. Mm-hmm. So you see people like Gambrel Mountain who are getting ready to open up their own spot. And in the back of my mind, it's kind of like, okay, well, are they going to be open to doing some kind of collaboration? Just because you have, nobody thinks their own kid is ugly. So why would I invite somebody else into my restaurant to do their style food when I have a perfect menu myself? And at the same time, outside looking in, you know, it's like a a beauty pageant. 
I can see the flaws in your kid and you can see the flaws in mine. How can we come together and get that perfect spot? You know, they had Miss Universe last night on TV and it's, you listen to all these women who are going through talking about all these different obstacles that they've come over and it's all beautiful. But at the same time, it's like, you know, and this is going to sound pretty bad, but you've all had obstacles. Whose obstacle was the biggest? Why do you why why do you deserve this? What's going to make you stand out on top of everything else? And I, as much as I hate to say it, that's why I've kind of come to the idea of I understand where they're coming from owning three, four, five restaurants in downtown Frederick because you get to that point to where it's like you know what I'm just going to do it myself. Because there is that incompetence within the industry. Because you do have shitty people who come in and they don't do the right things. And their interest is not your interest. They just want to get out there and put their name out there. And, you know, it's like we were talking Bobby Moo earlier. I can have a barbecue spot. I can have a burger spot. You know what else comes in a barbecue? I can do barbacoa. Now we got a taco spot. We have a grill. All right. Now we have a steak spot. And... At the same time, let me put all that stuff together and create my own barbecue playground. You want to learn how to do asado? Here's my asado. Go ahead and buy your own goat, so to speak. Put this thing up there and let's let it cook for a while. Let me pull as much into this as I possibly can and do what I need to do to make sure that I'm fed. But at the same time, it's like, why not pull every... That's what barbecue is. We've had people... Three or four families sitting at a picnic table talking amongst themselves. And it's like, this is what it's all about. You know, when we went and picked up our barbecue trailer, the truck that I was driving down to Waycross, Georgia, completely took a dump when we hit Lumberton, North Carolina. I pulled off the exit to go to the bathroom. And when I turned my truck off, wouldn't start. Starter went bad. And I'm however many miles from home. I have no idea what's going on. And I start knocking on windows and doors. And it's a Sunday. Who's going to come tow me on a Sunday? Luckily for me, I knocked on the right window. Good old boy. His brother works for a Chevy dealership. Okay, well, you're driving a Ford, but let's figure this out. Let's go to AutoZone. We were out in the middle of a parking lot, 2 o'clock in the morning, changing a starter on this F-250. And it got changed. And it's like, you don't know me from anybody in this entire world, but you just helped me out. Let me get a little bit of that mentality and put it back in what I'm doing with this barbecue. You know, whether it's beef lovers, pork lovers, vegans who are wanting to know what kind of options we can do. Let's get everybody at the same table, eating the same meal, having the same good time as everybody else, and then go from there. And if we can't do that, then what are we doing? You know, open open up your restaurants, open up your table, open up what you got going on, and great things will happen. Uh, yeah, thank you for opening up. I feel like great things just happened every podcast. Absolutely. But we're going to have to cut it because we got to get into our next interview today that we're recording to today. So we appreciate you being here. Um, is there anything that you or you, Chris, want to get off your chest before we sign off? No, I'm good. Anything for you? I'm good. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun time. And, uh, I can't wait for everybody here. So, uh, 
yeah, definitely make sure to just subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Follow us on Chefs Without Restaurants or at Chefs Without Restaurants. You can go to the website, chefswithoutrestaurants.com or .org. And did I hit all those notes? All right. How, how can we follow you, Barbecue? I'm on Facebook at Barbecue Barbecue and Catering Company. And we are on Instagram at Barbecue. Emails Barbecue at yahoo.com. And we have Barbecue.com. Just to clarify, that's B U B B Q U E. Yes. No hyphens in any of that except for our actual name itself. No, yeah, no lies. We're, we're, we're Bub B. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, well, thanks for being here again, and uh, 